You're listening to the Film Marketing Academy podcast, the audio series dedicated to helping filmmakers create better film marketing campaigns faster. Join your host, Pascal Fintoni, for what promises to be an exciting and intriguing voyage of discovery filled with advice, stories, and film marketing ideas. Thank you for tuning in. And now, on with today's episode of the Film Marketing Academy podcast. Well, this week, Pascal, we are going to talk about a film from 1990. It's your choice. It's your Mm -hmm. choice. It's called Tremors. Let's watch the trailer. Welcome to Perfection, Nevada, land of opportunity. You know how close I am to leaving this place right now? How close? Where a man can make a clean living. See, we plan ahead. That way we don't do anything right now. Earl, explain it to me. Hey, Bendy, what's the count? 640. In perfection, they say there's nothing new under the sun, but under the ground. These creatures are absolutely unprecedented. Yes, where do they come from? I vote for outer space. No way these are local boys. How could they bury a whole station wagon? Now this valley is just one long smorgasbord. We can make it! That's how they get you. They're under the ground. Damn prairie dog burl. We arm ourselves, we set perimeters, we stand guard. Kevin Bacon. We could get in People magazine. Fred Ward. People. National Geographic. Tremors. We decided to leave this place just one damn day too late. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. Now, as I said earlier, Pascal, I only watched this film for the first time two nights ago, but I know that you're a massive fan of this film, and actually you watch it every year, don't you? Oh, completely. I mean, (laughs) so I first saw it in 1990, the year of the release in France, in Bordeaux. There was a, um, or still is a cinema, which was an old theater converted into cinema. So the outside of the building, it's this grand kind of um, stone building. And... For our viewers and listeners who are from a younger age, in the, in the 1990s and the 80s, we used to turn up at the cinema and just see what was there. Do you remember those days where we didn't yeah. know, we because there was no kind of uh, IMDb or Yahoo movies and so on, so you would literally turn up at the movies, look up at the posters above the, the entrance, and with my then-girlfriend, we saw this poster for Tremors, and went, oh, I, wa- I-, I want to see that, so we paid the tickets, and... Then my heart, hit, my heart had to sink because we'd taken down the corridor and we were taken to the last screening room at the bottom <laughs> of this long corridor, which was always a sign of a movie that wasn't really that good. Uh-huh. So it was like at the back of the, 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 the proper screening rooms, small room, there was maybe 20, 30 people in that room. And it was the most joyous moment, or one of the most joyous moments in my kind of moving, going uh, life. Um, I... We, we laughed, we cheered, we got scared, we 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 we, we love everything, 
And this experience, basically, I, I want to go through it again um, once a year, so from VHS cassette to then DVDs to Blu-rays and so on. And it wasn't until I did the research for the marketing campaign that I realized that, um, you know, I wasn't the only one, but I, mean, I knew I wasn't the only one, but that there was a, such a movement around the farm to the point where when I was doing the research, I think I put the tweet saying, oh, I'm doing some research on tremors, and I came across this video um, of a speech by Gail Ann Hurd, who was the exec producer on tremors. And within milliseconds, back to your point about Twitter, the um, the collective under the um, Twitter account, the Tremors Saga, um, responded, give me links and informations and tell me to go there and give me names and so on. <laughs> and the, the Tremors Saga is a collective of the original filmmakers and cast, as well as a fan base. And it so happens that today, as we are recording this film marketing review of Tremors, is also day one of the three-day Tremors oh. Fest in Santa Fe in New Mexico. Wow. Well, as I said, Pascal, this film has escaped me. I've, I haven't <laughs> watched it. I've never seen it until two days ago. Now, uh, funnily enough, I was I was saying to um, Trisha, um, we need we need to watch Tremors, and and there was almost a look for a moment of despair in her face. She says, "Oh, that's something to do with Kevin Bacon and worms, isn't it?" Um, and I and I sort of immediately thought, oh no, this is going to be a really tacky B-movie. So I actually didn't have very high expectations. I just thought it was one of these films that has somehow become, you know, a cult classic for, for, for no reason. Um, I have to say, I'll preface this by saying the copy that we actually ended up watching was was quite a ropey DVD and it wasn't the clearest of pictures, which is an absolute shame because what I thought initially was that the scenery of this film was absolutely spectacular. Mm. The, the location was utterly stunning and I would love to see a 4K um, Blu-ray version of this just for that fact. But the fact is we loved the film. And it's nice and short, 90 minutes. Uh, you can always guarantee that a film is worth watching if Trisha doesn't go to sleep during it. And she was <laughs> awake all the way through it and um, and loved it. And yeah, it was, I thought it was, the, the cast were excellent. I thought the storytelling was good, the visuals. You know, even, even though it was mechanical effects, you know, they got away with most of it. They got away with most of it. There was no ropey green screen as far as I could see. Mm -hmm. And the mechanical effects worked well. It was quite, there was a lot of tension. Um, the, the, the cast as well absolutely nailed it. And I thought Kevin Bacon and his relationship, they kept doing, um, um, oh but, man, but, that's spent my youth doing the you know, <laughs> paper, scissors, paper yeah. and all that. Um, that was quite funny. In fact, I thought I'd spotted a, I thought I'd spotted a, a trend in that uh, the other guy, I can't remember his name, um, Fred Earl, Ward. Uh, yeah, Fred Ward, he yeah. he always did scissors, and I thought I thought is that are they going to build up to something that. Um, Kevin Bacon always loses because the other guy always does scissors. But the final time they did it, it was the opposite way around and Kevin Bacon did scissors. So anyway, I was wrong about that, but it was quite funny. Um, but it just, what what I thought here, it reminded me a little bit of 1970s Doctor Who. And, and funnily enough, we are actually watching a few of the old John Pertwee series now. And one of the reasons why Doctor Who worked back in the 70s was even though the sets were obviously made out of cardboard and polystyrene. Even though the monsters were obviously made out of rubber, it was the actors who utterly believed in the script and they mm -hmm. delivered it as if they believed absolutely and 
non, no question about how real it was. And that made it work. And to me, that's what happened here. Yes, those mechanical effects, if you really examine them, if you did a freeze frame, you'd probably see, well, it's just a rubber, a rubber worm. But I just thought the actors, the conviction was so real that they carried the entire movie and genuinely made it scary and genuinely made it exciting because they utterly believed in what they were doing. And it was, you know, um, problem solving after problem solving. And and what, what I think, I mean, I know this is not a filmmaking review, but you can't help but be impressed by the de determination, but also the quality. You talk about the location, but let's talk about, you know, the script writing. You know, we, we have the work of Stephen S. Wilson and Brent Maddock, who mm -hmm. were inspired by actually an idea they had when they were younger. The, the the director Ron Underwood who committed so much and all the producers from um Gail Anna Hurd who mentioned to Ginny Nugents and Ellen Collett. And the reason why I mentioned their names, Roger, is is as follows is because here we are talking about this movie 33 years ago. And they themselves, you know, had to go through a very painful phase where for reasons that actually were totally unfounded, they went through a phase or they were linked to a fa a failure. Mm -hmm. And and that to me is kind of interesting to explore to explore in a moment. Uh, one thing that I love as well about the movie, uh, because it's everything you mentioned, and also the music. The, the music uh, it captures the tonality of, mm -hmm. of the movie well. So when it's scary, it's uh, music matches. But when there's something quite like hearted, where you know, I mean, some of the dialogues which we saw in, in the trailer are just you know so so funny, and, and you've got all that going on. And something they did really cleverly, which is the mark of that kind of indie spirit of, of filmmaking, is you know casting again. Type. So you had, for example, the character of Bert, you know, played by Michael Gross from Family Ties, who was a kind of a gentle uh, family movie with a very young Michael J. Fox. You know, you had um, people like Victor Wong. We had a very young Ryan um, Richards, sorry, who plays Mindy, the young girl with a, the pogo stick, who three years later yeah. will, will, will be in Jurassic Park. So you've got all that going on. And when you watch, um, and as I did, you know, be more about the documentary, there was not one individual who was not committed to make this movie work. And I think that's why we are where we are uh, all those years ago. And I certainly, if I may address the filmmakers and the producers, I've converted two people to the, the <laughs> Tremors um, kind of franchise. I think I've done my bit. But shall we move on very quickly then, Roger, if you don't mind, to the film marketing. So this movie was released in the US um, 19th of January 1990. And it begins in November 89. So that's a bit brief, but, you know, we, we are where we are, where a teaser trailer was released um, in, in theatres. And the one that we saw a moment ago, can I just say I, I loved the, uh, the hiss and the crackle of a, of a 90s kind of uh, VHS cassette. And my, my view would be, and you've seen it obviously more recently, that this trailer did a very good job to capture all the elements of the story did a, a big job to show the practical special effects without showing the graboids. Yeah, absolutely right. And again, I, I guess, you know, I, I did I did make a sort of um, comparison to Jaws with this film mm. when I was watching it with Trisha. And I did think that they kept, they were very good at actually keeping the worms mainly hidden for the majority of the movie. You don't actually see them on screen for that long you know the, the editing is so good you get a mm. glimpse enough to scare you and then they cut back to the characters and and i, I mean in, in, we know that the jaws was a incredible film in terms of um 
tension and the way they built it up but ultimately it was a rubber shark and and, and you can't really look at it very closely mm. to see and, and to actually ruin the illusion and it's the editing of the film that creates the tension by keeping it hidden and i think they did that remarkably well here yeah and for me what was interesting on the kind of second or third watch of the trailer was i didn't realize um somehow that there was also a nice tongue-in-cheek selection of the music mm -hmm. the journey be good you know um shaking yeah. going on so you've got all that the, the trailer was supported by tv and radio spots interestingly mm -hmm. 15 seconds and 30 seconds which proves the point that you can say a hell of a lot in 15 yeah. seconds yeah. the one the, the two that stood out for me um there was one um, that was including reference to the older horror movies of the 50s and 60s yeah. um as a reminder uh, everyone of course the filmmakers were inspired by their youth like you and I would be um, <laughs> with regard to spending time watching very late at night where the parents say you should be uh, sleeping and watching TV um, black and white horror movies and in fact the uh, the script you know of that particular TV spot says first there was Frankenstein then Dracula and then you had a black and white you know kind of things and the creature from the Black Lagoon <laughs> that scared me senseless when I was a child and now there is something no one has ever seen before because it's under the ground so she've got all that going on on, um, which I think is is superb. But of course, as well as um, the trailers, they organise, Roger, and you can tell us a bit more about it, some, some visits to the set. Yeah, I mean, you've done... It's remarkable how much information you've managed to dig up, Pascal. <laughs> see that we'll see what I did there. Uh, dig up um, about this film, given that it was 33 years ago. But, yeah, January 1990, they, to promote the film's release, the studio organised a press junket in Lone Pine, California, which is where the, f the movie was filmed. I mean, what a great location. I still come back to that. The scenery was stunning. I'd love to have gone there. I'd love to go there. Mm. And, and journalists were given a tour of the set, and they were able to interview all the cast and all the crew. And what is interesting, this was uh, repeated... Um, for Lord of the Rings. So uh, our, one of our very first film marketing reviews were Lord of the Rings, and, and we reported on that. But it started much earlier. What I think is also important is to realise that um, Lone Pine, um, well, the, um, the set was built there was nothing. It was just sand mm -hmm. and rocks and and this magnificent mountain range, you know, as as a backdrop. And everything was was built. Because this was an indie movie and they had to be careful about money and expenditure, they sometimes went around places like Lone Pine and the other kind of small towns and they were buying um, wooden sheds and wooden houses off people who were just derelict and just build them again to create the town of perfection, which is also, I think, <laughs> very, very cheeky of the, um, of the filmmakers. We're going to make a film about perfection. And so then it moved on to, of course, print advertising. Now, sadly, um, unless there is uh, some librarian and archivist of the um, of the filmmaking business, I couldn't find any um, kind of examples to show you. Uh, needless to say, though, they, they carried on that kind of tongue-in-cheek humorous style where images, and we don't know what they are, with the strap lined, the monster movie that breaks new ground. <laughs> so good and and again january 1990 universal pictures also launched a radio advertising campaign and again there was the humor in there a, a lot of fake news reports about tremors felt in a new small t in that small town in nevada again I, i'm going back to um content spotlights and what what uh, alton towers are doing with the phalanx it's it's making something up and, and surrounding the, the film with other content other 
theming. It's I, I just love this whole. The, the, this episode has really worked for me because we've had these interlinking <laughs> um, themes. But again, you know, these radio spots, great fun. And but they suck people into into the environment, don't they? Make you believe in what's happening, and it, it becomes almost real. It's it's just so so interesting. Yes, um, but to your point, sorry, Roger, this was 1990, so that's what I love about film marketing because you go back to techniques and 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 really strategies where it's when actually you have limitations when you're up against it that you come up with something quite quite innovative can i just give someone the shout out because this radio spot i knew of its existence purely from the point of view of research but i didn't know i would ever actually find it <laughs> and we have a gentleman called tim tim salmons who's the host of the movie and video game tv spots youtube channel and i was able to um find it and listen to it and and it's great it's a fake news report about strange things happening in uh you know not far from los angeles yeah and and of course again all the way through january 1990 we've got the stars kevin bacon fred ward on the tonight show with johnny carson um an interview in the chicago tribune with producer gail and her discussing the film's appeal she said it's a combination of humor and horror it doesn't take itself too seriously and that's one of the things that sets it apart from other monsters i think they got that balance absolutely right because it's very easy in a film like this that is trying to be funny to go too far the wrong way and you actually become a parody of yourself and you're actually sending yourself up and a lot of movies make that mistake. I think this one didn't. And that's one of the reasons why it's so good. Uh, and again, another interview um, in the Los Angeles Times. Uh, Ron Underwood, the director, discussed the challenges of marketing the film. It's difficult to convey the, convey the tone of the movie in a trailer. It's not a horror movie. It's not a comedy. It's not a satire. It's a little bit of all of those things. But I think they managed it remarkably. Um, so, so there were some challenges, though, Pascal, wasn't there? in the marketing of this film yeah thank you what, what you just read <clears throat> excuse me is um give me a wonderful segue into you know what we now know because it's been documented they, they've actually shared you know the los angeles in in documentaries about what they they had created which was a, uh, a tribute to 1950s monster movies mm -hmm. who used to take themselves very seriously and, and it would be scary but bring the humor of the 1990s because in fact that was that paved the way into more movies who then used to have the one-liners and so on and, and it's almost like the history of if i may use an analogy of the uh, nightmare on elm street you know the first two <laughs> were very very dark and scary but the third one you know dream warriors went actually very humorous so there was back and forth. There was disagreement, to put it um, mindly, between the filmmakers and the studios who wanted uh, um, to to have a simple message. They wanted essentially to go for a straightforward horror movie and to emphasize the scares and actually tone down the humor because the studios thought the humor would actually put people off and turn audiences away. But, you know, they kept going. But the major um, point of, uh, of contention was the poster. So... The the filmmakers wanted a poster that was an enigmatic, I would say, uh, in term, and the two were fighting and fighting. They actually wanted the Grabberids to be on the poster. And I think the compromise was, for people who've seen the film, to just show one of the tentacles, you know, with the teeth, the tendrils with the teeth, um, so that the full monster wasn't revealed. But for the filmmakers, they felt that it was too close to Jaws, oddly produced uh, and distributed by Universal Pictures as well as trainers. And th that was definitely um, tension there. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I look at the poster now, and yet yeah, you've got the characters um, stood above ground, and for that mm -hmm. you could almost see the surface of the water in the Jaws poster, and then below the surface you've got this great big um, set of teeth, which is it is so close to the um, to the Jaws poster. I, I, I was very struck by that, but I still think it's quite effective. And I've loved it. I mean, I've said that it's since the nineties yeah. and from VHS and so on. And listen, in terms of the studio, they didn't really, um, you know, cut corners. They used the artist Bob Peak, who went on to fans for doing posts like the Star Wars original trilogy, Apocalypse Now, Superman, and so on. So that there, there was a real artist behind it. They did look at other options where the graboids um, were not present. What I will say is that not as effective. So I get it. It's not nice sometimes to. I suppose you worry that someone's going to say, oh, all you've done is rip off Jaws, although I would argue there are far worse movies to be compared with than, <laughs> than, than Jaws, of course. Um, so that leads, all this leads to the premiere yeah. um, in, in in January. Uh, listen, you know, number five behind Born on the 4th of July, Tango and Cash, The War of the Roses, and Eternal Affairs, that's not bad for an indie movie with a small budget of $10 million. I know it's $10 million is a lot of money, but compared to the other four. But unfortunately, and marketing uh, plays a role in that, was, maybe it was too short, maybe there wasn't enough going on. The the sales you know, the, on the opening weeks were disappointed, and somehow the conclusion was, this is a failure. Mm. But there goes, you know, the, the story carries on because weeks later and months later, then we move into a home video rental. We move into television screening on channels and so on. And suddenly Tremors just becomes this incredible success. And I can confirm that was the case because I was working in video store in the 90s. It was still the most rented films in 90, 1990, 90, 91, 92. That's incredible, isn't it? And yeah, yeah. Um then all the way through the last 30 <laughs> years it's become wow. this cult film and now of course it's available on blu-ray there's there's definitely a 4k version i checked and as i say <laughs> i'd love to uh, love to see it even just for that scenery <laughs> just for the scenery before we even get into the into the plot and everything that that has to be seen in 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 higher quality um but it, it's remarkable isn't it how the momentum has been kept up for this film all the way through even something i just noticed there is that the website is still ex in existence mm -hmm. 30 years yeah. on now th this is this is remarkable because we've done reviews of films where the websites disappeared within months whereas this one they've kept up the momentum over the time obviously to promote the videos and the, the blu-rays and the and the 4k uh, uh, uhd but it's remarkable the momentum that they've kept going with this and you know, back to the the team behind the Tremors saga who helped me and point me in the right directions. Um, yeah. You can find the YouTube channel of, of the producers, directors, where they have their own home movies. So are we talking about people walking around with um, cameras filming in 16 millimeters and having to convert into digital? So you have um, um, one with one of the producers called The Lost Files, where you can mm -hmm. see the actors and, and the crew laughing and trying to get you know the practical effects working and so on. It's just absolutely glorious. And within that, I discovered, I discovered something that I think um, is going to be great for, for you to know. So, uh, of course, there are documentaries. Of course, there's been things. But there's also a book called Seeking Perfection, mm -hmm. the unofficial guide to tremors, written by John Melville. Mm-hmm. 
he was interviewed as part of the documentary and I said, this is an accent that I recognize. When I find out that John Melville, the author of the book Seeking Perfection, lives in Edinburgh, I ah. thought I must tell Roger. And perhaps, if I may be so bold, we could have John um, on, on the show one of those days to tell well, us more that, about you know, Tremors. That would be really interesting. I didn't know that. So um, fantastic, fantastic link there. And 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 again, there's. Uh, this, I think what really just gets me about this is the momentum that, this, that has carried on throughout all of this time. And I am so glad, Pascal, that you chose this film because I, I would probably not have watched it because I just had it in my head that it was a, a very cheap flick from the 90s that wasn't very successful and was was badly made and had rubbish effects and rubbish you know, sort of B-movie um, feel to it, when in fact it is as you say, pretty much near to perfection. I think it's not about seeking perfection. It was actually creating perf perfection. And uh, always nice to see um, Kevin Bacon um, yeah. in, in, a, in a role in his, in his younger years. I think uh, he's one, he is one of my favorite actors from when I was younger. And mm. uh, yeah, fantastic. So Pascal, thanks for choosing this. I think we should wrap up the show now. This mm -hmm. has been a great show. I just love the way that we've intertwined all of the themes we've had monsters under the ground we've we've reset twitter uh, and we've looked at some <laughs> great tech as well so tell us what you think about all the things that we've discussed today if you're watching this if you're listening to this please do get in touch you can speak to us on twitter you can you can contact us through the um, the youtube channel leave us a comment there or pascal we can you can leave us a message on speak pipe remind me how speak that pipe. happens yes thank you very much just go on the web page speakpipe.com forward slash two gigs and a marketing podcast you can record an audio message which will play on the show for you and we can respond and react to your comment and request and as always do please let us know what you think of the content let us know what you'd like us to review if you've come up if you've seen any apps that are working for you in your business tell us what they are so that we can we can have a go and, and review them as well and tell us what films you have enjoyed recently you'd like us to dig deep into the marketing so thank you once again for watching thank you for listening to two geeks in a marketing podcast until the next episode please go out there and make sure that your marketing is done right as always i was roger edwards and he was pascal fintoni Thank you for listening to the Film Marketing Academy podcast, the audio series dedicated to helping filmmakers create better film marketing campaigns faster. For more information about our film marketing consultancy and training services, go to filmmarketingacademy.com and book your free discovery video call. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe and follow your host on social media for more updates. 